this is Candace Pringle, lead pastor of FE Church, and this is our podcast. Are you ready? Fasting and feasting number three. This life walking with Jesus is meant to challenge us. It's meant to enrich our lives. Both of those things are true. And yet, I find that some Christians lean more towards one than the other. We either think we have to suffer all of the time because of Jesus, or we're meant to be victorious all of the time, 100% of the time, because of Jesus. And so when, we, when storms come, when things go wrong, when it feels like the world's against us, we're like, well, what am I doing wrong, God? Or, or do you not love me anymore? Or whatever. The reality is, though, that we are victorious all of the time because of Jesus, but it doesn't always feel victorious, right? Jesus walking to his own death, carrying his own cross, certainly didn't look victorious. I'm sure it didn't feel victorious in the moment. It felt like a loss. It felt like the enemy was winning in that moment. When in reality, he was spiritually conquering so much flesh in that moment. So much of his flesh was screaming at him while he was carrying that cross. He had to conquer it in that moment. That's what this series is about. It's about conquering our pride, conquering our our pain. Jesus had to be victorious over so much of that in that moment. Like all of the things people were saying about him, they were throwing at him, they were beating him with, they were starving him and mocking him, all of it. If he hadn't been so disciplined in his personal life prior to that moment, I don't think he would have made it through. And aren't we all glad that he did? (laughs) So grateful that Jesus did. We all get freedom because Jesus was a disciplined, in-the-flesh God. We can't fully follow him, though, in that same way. He called us to do even greater things than he did. We can't fully follow him until we discipline ourselves, because in this life, we will have trouble, Jesus said. Will. Not might, not maybe, not could have trouble. We will have trouble. So we have to be prepared for it now. It's my calling to bear that responsibility now. To bear the pain now so that when life hands me a raw deal, because it will eventually, I have the tools to deal with it. That's why we fast. That's why we worship. That's why we discipline ourselves. We are to be disciplined people but also enjoy the amazing life God has given us. Nothing sums this up better to me than the calling that God gave me a few years ago for us, which is to be vibrant, passionate, and selfless. All of those things are summed up in fasting and feasting. Vibrant, passionate, and selfless. Passionate people are obedient people. You heard Chelsea talk about tithing a minute ago. I don't know one tither who isn't passionate about it passionate about it because they've been obedient and they've seen God work in amazing ways. And so it just makes them want to be even more obedient. It's a cycle. Passion fuels obedience and obedience fuels passion. We're passionate about it when we see the amazing principles of God work. But today I asked the worship team to sing As You Find Me Again. It's a Hillsong United song. It's that last song that we sang. And it's because it contains the lyrics I have wrestled and I have trembled towards surrender, chased my heart adrift and drifted home again, plundered blessing, 
till I've been desperate to find redemption. Can you all hear it? Plundered blessing till I've been desperate to find redemption. But the plundered blessing line, when I first heard this song, it was a couple years ago now, it's a few years old. When I first heard that lyric, I said, what did he say? I had to listen to it a few times. And it dawned on me, he said, plundered blessing. I've plundered blessing till I've been desperate to find redemption. It captured me. I couldn't stop thinking about that line for weeks. The rest of the song is amazing too. You got to look at the lyrics of that song. But the concept of plundering something that God has given me, I mean, that's a blessing, right? To the point that I then need redemption from it. Couldn't stop thinking about it. And so I went to the word. Everything should be checked against the word. Everything. Right? I don't care how big the celebrity preacher is, how many people listen to Hillsong, even if I say it, please check it against the word, okay? Everything should be checked against the word. Always check it against the word. So I checked it. I also checked the dictionary, though, because I wanted to make sure I knew what plunder actually means. The dictionary says that plunder means to take the goods of by force, as in war or something, to take the goods of by force. So it sounds a lot like stealing, right? How would one steal blessing? Again, started thinking about the word. Isaac steals Esau's blessing. You know that story. It's a straight up stealing blessing story. He dresses up like his brother and he goes for it. He passes himself off as Esau and takes the blessing of the firstborn. It couldn't be more of a clear example. But to plunder blessing, I think has a little bit of a different connotation to it. It's a little bit of a different thing. God gives me blessings, so I'm not dressing up as something else and stealing them necessarily. But I do plunder blessings occasionally. Let me demonstrate what I mean. I found this odd little story as I was checking this against the word in Daniel 4 that I want to read to you today. It's about a king and a dream. Starting in verse 4. I, Nebuchadnezzar, this is the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, and he's telling this story. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was living in my palace in comfort and prosperity. But one night I had a dream that frightened me. I saw visions that terrified me as I lay in my bed. So I issued an order calling in all the wise men of Babylon so they could tell me what my dream meant. When all the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and fortune tellers came in, I told them my dream, but they couldn't tell me what it meant. At last, Daniel came in before me, and I told him the dream. He was named, if I think about this word too hard, I can't say it. How would you say that? Belteshazzar. Belteshazzar. (laughs) Everybody say Belteshazzar. I'm going to call him Old Belty. Can't say that darn word. Old Belty. He was named Old Belty after my God, and the spirit of the holy gods is in him. Listen, Nebuchadnezzar was not a believer, right? He called in all the astrologers, all the fortune tellers, all the magicians first, but they didn't have the answers. God's people have the answers. He was called Old Belty. (laughs) It cracks me up. Because the spirit of the holy God was in him. Even Nebuchadnezzar could feel the realness 
of the God, the one and only God, who has the answers. Daniel had the answers, okay? So he said to him, the king, Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, I know that the spirit of the holy God is in you. I know it's in you. Because honestly, it's hard to deny when the Holy Spirit is with someone, even for someone who doesn't believe. I know that the Spirit of the Holy God is within you, and no mystery is too great for you to solve. Now, tell me what my dream means. While I was lying in my bed, this is what I dreamed. I saw a large tree in the middle of the earth. The tree grew very tall and strong, reaching high into the heavens for all the world to see. It had fresh green leaves, and it was loaded with fruit for all to eat. Wild animals lived in its shade, and birds nested in its branches. All the world was fed from this tree. Listen to that again. The tree was tall and strong. All the world could see it. Fresh green leaves loaded with fruit for all to see. Animals living in its shade, birds nesting in its branches. All the world, it says, was fed from this tree. This is a picture of how we're meant to live. We're meant to use our blessings, growing tall and strong and bountiful and generous in all that we do, providing things for others. Okay, that's what this, we're skipping ahead the story a little bit, but that's what this is, the, the dream means. We're meant to use our blessings to bless others. This is why God calls us to be successful and productive. It's not just for our own sake, it's to give to others. We're not meant to hoard it all to ourselves or take all the credit for producing it in the first place. We're meant to provide shade, shelter, food, productivity for others. But the king has a dream, and for the purposes of this message, we're going to skip all the rest of his describing of it and go straight to the meaning. Verse 24, this is what the dream means, your majesty, and what the Most High has declared will happen to the Lord, the king. You will be driven from human society, not just driven from the castle or the palace or whatever you lived in, driven from human society, and you will live in the fields with the wild animals. You will eat grass like a cow, and you'll be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven periods of time will pass while you live this way, until you learn that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of the world and gives them to anyone he chooses. There's a very clear moral of the story here. Right? Until you learn that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of the world and gives them to anyone he chooses. But the stump and roots of the tree were left in the ground. This means that you will receive your kingdom back again when you have learned that heaven rules. You know, God is capable of uprooting things too. He says that in other parts of the Bible. He uproots and utterly destroys sometimes. When a people or a person is wicked enough, he uproots and utterly destroys. These are the Bible's words, not mine. He is capable of that, but he didn't do that this time. I think he's acknowledging here that Nebuchadnezzar is capable of growing and changing, but it's going to take some pretty severe punishment. Discipline. Verse 27, King Nebuchadnezzar, please accept my advice. This is still Daniel talking and explaining to the king. Stop sinning and do what is right. Break from your wicked past and be merciful to the poor. Perhaps then you will continue to prosper. 
side note here before we move on. A lot of people have trouble with the fact that sometimes the wicked prosper. Right? We, we want things to like have a very direct correlation between goodness and prosperity. The problem is, it's just not that simple. <laughs> I think that sometimes, and I sort of discovered this as I was complaining to God about something a, f- a bunch of years ago. Like, God, why do you keep blessing that person? Why, why do they seem to get everything handed to them, given to them? Why? I think sometimes God is merciful for the people under the tree rather than for the tree. For the people, not for the ruler. Those that are getting the shade and the fruit, God doesn't want that cut off any more than those of us under the tree do. Right? The fact that God uses even the wicked to bless the godly is sometimes something people have a real hard time with until they realize that God has given them so much grace too. God is a productive God. He likes productivity and he blesses it. There are some principles at work in his kingdom that apply across the board. (laughs) But he only has so much grace. He will stop wickedness at a certain point and that is within his wisdom, not ours. In fact, God gives Nebuchadnezzar another whole year to get his act together. In this year, he could have humbled himself, right? He had the dream. He had a heads up. God was giving him, even having the dream was grace, right? Get your act together, right? He could have fasted. He could have prayed. He could have worshiped. He could have kicked the astrologers and the magicians out, the ones that couldn't tell him the answers. I have a feeling he liked the answers that they did give, though. They tickled his ears a little bit, so he didn't kick him out. He could have been generous. He could have tithed. He could have read the scriptures and sought out help. He could have in that year, but he didn't. And so, because he didn't humble himself, God had to do it for him. When we don't humble ourselves, God has to. Verse 28. But all these things did happen to King Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later... He was taking a walk on the flat roof of the royal palace in Babylon. As he looked out across the city, he said, look at this great city of Babylon. By my own mighty power, I have built this beautiful city as my royal residence to display my majestic splendor. Good Lord. So, so far we know that he is sinning, right? He is being horrible to the poor. And now we have confirmation that he's being arrogant too insufferably arrogant too. He thinks this city is for him and because of him. And he has a very wrong view of his blessings. When we don't understand where our blessings come from or why they come, it can be very easy to hoard the feast to ourselves. The feast isn't meant to be hoarded. It's meant to be shared. Nebuchadnezzar wasn't humbling himself. He wasn't yet understanding these things. And God had had enough. Verse 31. While these words were still in his mouth. I love that part. That's a detail that just tickles my soul a little bit. While those arrogant words were still in his mouth, a voice called down from heaven. Oh, King Nebuchadnezzar, this message is for you. You are no longer ruler of this kingdom. You will be driven from human society. You will live in the fields with the wild animals and you will eat grass like a cow. God uses the same language that Daniel used. Remember, 
I think, to remind him, look, I warned you, dude. Right? You knew this was coming. Seven periods of time will pass while you live this way until you learn that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of the world and gives them to anyone he chooses. That same hour the judgment was fulfilled. When God moves, he moves swiftly. That same hour, the judgment was fulfilled. And Nebuchadnezzar was driven from human society. He ate grass like a cow who was drenched with the dew of heaven. And he lived this way until his hair was as long as eagle's feathers and his nails were like bird's claws. After this time had passed, I, Nebuchadnezzar, looked up to heaven. My sanity returned. I like that line too. My sanity returned, and I praised and worshiped the Most High and honored the one who lives forever. His rule is everlasting, and his kingdom is eternal. All the people of the earth are nothing compared to him. He does as he pleases among the angels of heaven and among the people of the earth. No one can stop him or say to him, what do you mean by doing these things? Job tried that, remember? I love God's answer to Job when he asks those questions. Verse 36, when my sanity returned to me, so did my honor and glory and kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out, and I was restored as head of my kingdom with even greater honor than before. The fact that they sought him out means that they were suffering more without him than with him. We want our leaders to be shrewd and prosperous, right? But we also want them humble and kind, there was probably all kinds of war and fighting over leadership without the rightful leader there. They f- sought him out. And so God needed him in that position, but he needed him humble and kind. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and glorify and honor the king of heaven. All his acts are just and true, and he is able to humble the proud. Sanity is living in right relationship with God. It's understanding where you are at in the food chain. <laughs> there is this, this fear of God concept the Bible talks about, and we get confused about it sometimes. Young Christians tend to get confused, like, I thought fear wasn't from God. Why am I supposed to fear God? How does that make any sense, right? But this, this is how it makes sense. This story, it's the parent side of God that we are meant to fear and respect. He will correct us when we're wicked. He gives grace, but don't get me wrong, he also hands out discipline like a good father. We should fear and obey him. He made everything, so he gets to make the rules. I am creation, so I need to follow the creator. Nebuchadnezzar's story is one of caution. It's a tale of an arrogant king who couldn't be bothered to listen even when his own dreams were telling him that he needed to calm down. Take several seats, as Gen Z would say. I'm preaching in youth this week. Gen Z, we're going to make a Gen Z version of a Bible story. I'm super excited. Take several seats, they would say. (laughs) Because he was too busy feasting to fast and to humble himself. Nebuchadnezzar's story is one of, of viewing our feasting in the correct light. Right In this following Jesus life, our blessings aren't only our own. They are to share. They are to provide for others. Christ gives us life and life abundantly. Abundantly. Right? Abundant means to have plenty of. Enough for you and some to spare. Means enough to give away to others. We often think that that, that, that plenty, that abundance is for us to hoard. It's for me to just live this victorious life, right? 
No, it's to give away. You should have enough and more to give, to bless others with. We are to take on the burdens of others. Aaron's favorite verse uh, says, share in each other's burdens, and in so you fulfill the law of Christ, right? Share in each other's burdens. That is how we fulfill the law of Christ. We, we are meant to grow our tree big and strong and leafy and productive so that we can provide shade and shelter for others. That's the goal. To keep that in mind is more difficult than it should be, really. This is why we need balance. This is why we need to work hard and take time off. We need to be productive six days off seven, off the seventh, right? We need to eat good and be merry. We need to fast and to pray. We need to have mountaintop moments with God. Good, big, amazing revelation moments with God. That is a mountaintop moment. But also endure through the valleys. We need both. It's a balance. Feasting and fasting. Fasting and feasting. Right? Plundering blessing to me now means squeezing every ounce of goodness out of a blessing until it's not good anymore. It means loving the blessing so much that you start to worship it instead of the God who gave it to you. It means mining a blessing for only the parts that make you feel good and ignoring the parts that could help others. And it means ignoring God's commands, but taking the blessing for yourself. Can you think of other examples of people plundering blessing in the word? They're all over the place once you start to see it. Adam and Eve, just right off the bat, had everything, right? They had a perfect world. God planted them in. And yet they still wanted more. Plundering blessing. Right? Jonah. Jonah had God. Didn't matter who else in the world didn't as long as he was comfortable. He ran in the other direction so he wouldn't have to give it to. To people he didn't think was worthy. Saul allowed men, his men, to take anything they wanted. He plundered blessing all over the place. This was just one example. When God specifically told them to destroy everything, Paul said, "Mm, I'm going to keep that for myself. Saul. Did I say Paul? Saul. (laughs) And David had all the wives and concubines he wanted. He had to have that one he couldn't have. There's so many examples. We could go on all day seeing all the examples of plundering blessing. It's in human nature to do this. How does it relate to our lives? Some of us are stingy with our money. That's pretty straightforward, right? It's an easy parallel to take. We're not generous. Maybe we don't tithe. Maybe we don't give extra. Maybe we don't help those around us when we see that there's a need and we could help. Maybe we hold back out of fear that we won't have enough. But some of us are... We do this in more sneaky ways. So we're we're stingy with our talents, maybe. We could help the church in certain ways that we're gifted in. We just don't want to. Prefer to sit and be fed rather than give to other people. Or, Or we could help our neighbors and friends with the skills that we've acquired. It's just too much work. You know, I'd have to talk to people. They should learn how to do it. They have YouTube, right? Some of us, and this one is sneakier, I think, but also most common, we're stingy with our time. We're not willing to give people time. Invite someone over for a cup of coffee when they're hurting, or go to someone's house, sit with them, go to a friend's kid's baseball game, 
right? Just sit with someone in grief, have long phone conversations, checking in on someone. It's just time. We'd rather sit and binge Netflix for hours and hours and hours on end or entertain ourselves in some way rather than give somebody else time. And it's energy, and we don't know what to say, and we don't know how to help. And, you know, maybe just your presence can help. It's actually called the ministry of presence. I hear Latina talk about this all the time. Just be there. You all, by the way, you minister to me just by being here. (laughs) It is, I've prepared all week for this, and you're here to hear it. That is the ministry of presence. It is part of gathering as a church, right? Just being here, literally the ministry of presence. And and all these things, time, talent, and treasure. Have you heard those words thrown around sometimes? Time, talent, and treasure. We're, we're to honor God with all of those things. It's really the, the three things of, of partnership. We, we accepted Tim and Cyan this morning, right? Giving, serving, attending. Time, talent, treasure, not in that order. But we're to honor God with all of those things. It's the disciplines that, that really help us do that. The fasting that we've been talking about. Because it reminds us who is actually at the center of all of those things. It's very easy to think I'm at the center of my universe. It's me. It should be me. My world should revolve around me, right? No. My world should revolve around Jesus. When it does, everything else falls into place. We often talk about Jesus being the the foundation and we build everything else upon him. While that is true, I think for me to understand it, it's better to see Jesus at the center and everything else is the wheel that moves around him. Right? If I put anything else at the center, it's off balance. Good things even. If I put my husband at the center, doesn't work. If I put my kids at the center, it doesn't work. If I put my job at the center, it doesn't work. If I serve anything else, nothing else can move that wheel like Jesus can. It falls apart. But with Jesus at the center, and here's the thing, people don't, people don't often have a problem adding Jesus to their life. They have a huge problem removing everything else so he can be the only thing in their life. And that doesn't mean getting rid of the husband and the kids and the job. (laughs) Moving off to be a monk somewhere or something, right? But it means Jesus should be at the center driving everything else. The only thing in the center that drives everything else. Jesus is the key to life, not a key. He is the way, not a way. He is the truth, not a truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Stop trying to add Jesus to everything else you're doing and just let him be everything everything through him. Right? He's in everything. He's through everything. Once you have him in the right place, everything else falls into line. That same song that I'm referencing today, as you find me, that we sang today, it says, I need your love more than anything. More than anything. I always check myself a little when I sing that lyric. Because there's a lot of things I feel like I need. Right? (laughs) I need a steady paycheck. I need a job. I need uh, my husband. I need my kids. I need, there's a lot of things that I feel like I need. And they're good things. I need a roof over my head. I need clothes on my back. I need food in the fridge. I need those things. 
but I need Jesus more. (laughs) Jesus is the air I breathe. He is the provider of every single one of those things. Does that make sense? When I hold on and I'm plundering blessing, I'm squeezing those blessings way too hard and tight. It doesn't work. When I have Jesus, I have everything. And to bring this full circle, plunder means to take the goods off by force. I don't have to take things by force when I am in Jesus. They're given to me. I'm not an illegitimate child, some blessing pirate. Right? I am a child of the Most High God. Goodness and mercy follow me. They follow me everywhere I go. I don't have to go chasing them. They follow me. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That is my inheritance. I don't have to chase it. I am his child. I inherit directly from him. My father gives blessing to me freely. I don't have to take it. In fact, God says when I look out for his kingdom, put him first and his righteousness, he will take care of all my needs according to his riches and glory, not according to my riches and glory. He does it for me. So your feast, your blessings, not your responsibility. Being productive is your responsibility. Being obedient is your responsibility, but your feast is his responsibility. He's a much better feaster than we are. He's a much better blesser than we are. The abundance isn't your job. Jesus gives life and life abundantly. It is a gift. You don't have to look out for you. You're serving his kingdom and he will take care of your needs. Fasting actually shows God that you are capable of knowing the difference. I bless between his responsibility and yours. That you trust in him in every single way. Are you starting to see how the two are related yet? Fasting and feasting in this series? They go hand in hand. Come on, is this speaking to anybody today? Good. (laughs) In our home group this past week, we went, went around the room and I asked the question. It's one I just threw at them. What would change in your life if you saw yourself as a missionary in your hometown? What would have to change? There were lots of answers like, well, you know, everything would kind of have to change. I think I'd have more boldness. I'd tell more people about Jesus. I'd be more aware of how, like, I represent myself at the grocery store. I'd be representing Jesus, you know, not just myself. (laughs) We went around the circle and we got to Aaron. He's like, I think you all just got trick questioned. Because you are missionaries in your hometown. You are. You aren't just representing yourself anymore. The minute you got baptized, you said, I'm in. I'm into being his representative on on earth. I'm into following him in everything he tells me to do. I am representing Jesus now. You are a missionary here in your hometown. And if you see yourself that way, you will take care of people. You will begin to make his kingdom your first priority. That he will build, we can trust him, that he will build ours while we build his. And if we humble ourselves now, then God won't have to do it for us. I don't want to be in the wilderness from God. 
I want to be eating grass in the fields like a cow and drenched with dew. Like, that's not... I want to be in his house. Straight, getting the blessing straight from the source with him and everything I do. We have to stop plundering the blessings God has given us and start giving all the glory back to him. Start sharing the blessing that God has given us in Christ Jesus. Do you know, I, I do a lot of funerals lately. The one thing I always think of at every funeral is you can't take anything with you. Nothing that you build here on earth you can take with you except one thing. Do you know what that is? People. People. You can take people to heaven with you. That's the job here on earth. We are all so busy building our stuff. I think in America we have a particular problem with stuff. We like to accumulate the stuff instead of the people. We get to take people to heaven with us. And another thing that hit me during worship this morning was, you know, I'm talking about us as the, the tree and we're, we have these branches. We're meant to, to bless people. But Jesus actually said, I am the vine. You are the branches. Remain in me and I'll remain in you. So that means the big, strong trunk, the thing that can withstand the storm, that is Jesus. That's not you. Your roots they should be strong and good, but that's Jesus. It's his job to handle us getting through the storm. We're the branches coming out from him that are providing shade for everyone. Does that make sense? So you remain in him and he, he'll work the rest out. Amen? Amen? Father, we thank you for this word today. Thank you for your goodness and mercy. Thank you that it follows us all the days of our life. Thank you that we get to dwell in your house forever. God, help us keep these truths in mind every single day, that as we go through the grocery store, we would remember, right? We would look for the opportunity to minister to someone as we're in our workplaces and at family get-togethers and all of it, that we would deep down, understand that we are missionaries in this world and there are so many opportunities. God, give us opportunities. Help us start looking for opportunities to free one more person from the gates of hell. Snatch them back to give them back to you, to help them experience the freedom and love and peace of Jesus. God, help us not to plunder our blessings but to understand exactly who they come from. You are the source of all good things. We praise and worship you for that. In Jesus' name, with heads bowed and eyes still closed today. Maybe you're saying, I've never given my life to Jesus. Today is the day I'm going to start. I want to live for him. I am in to following him. I want to leave everything else behind. It's not working anyway and just give it all to him. If that's you today, would you just boldly raise your hand in this room? I, I want to live for Jesus. I'm in. Awesome. Leave that hand up for just a moment until Nasha gives you a little card. Anyone else? I'm in. I want to follow Jesus wholeheartedly. From here on out, if you're watching online, you can text the number on the screen. I'd love to have that conversation with you. Okay. For everyone else here today, again, with just heads bowed, I just want you to think a little bit. 
Say, God, whisper to me, what do I need to change in my life? How does my perspective need to shift so that you are in the center of everything? That I'm not plundering blessing anymore and trying to build my own kingdom, but that I could truly focus in on building your kingdom and trust you to build mine. If that's you and you just, you know, I'm, you're thinking of something, you want prayer for it. I need to repent maybe for something. I need to ask God for something specific. Would you just raise your hand? I'd like to know who, who I'm praying for today. Father, we thank you. We praise you that your word is good. It's, it's good for teaching us, correcting us, guiding us into all truth. Thank you that we get to study it and mine it for its blessings, its jewels, its wisdom. I pray that as we go from here today, we would always keep your kingdom in mind, that we'd be able to see our feasts truly as blessings from heaven that are meant to be shared. And that even in the good times, we would fast, we would pray, we would worship, humble ourselves before you, always remembering exactly who our blessings come from. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, please let us know by going to fv.church slash I am in. And remember to download our app for more content and helpful links.